Imperfect Discourse, the podcast, a place for conversation, questions, and thought-provoking ideas. Co-hosted by Isaac and Daniel, two lifelong friends with unique perspectives and captivating dialogue. This is episode six, season one. Greetings, Daniel. Hello, Isaac. How are you doing this afternoon? I am doing great this afternoon. Beautiful, beautiful sunny day here. Always enjoy diving into uh, deep conversations and really, really having the opportunity to approach complex questions um, in a way that allows us to have some curiosity, um, really an interesting understanding. As you and I, obviously, we talked about in the last episode with personality, you and I differ in areas and have similar areas and how you and I have even learned through this brief, but so far interesting and I would say good, good process that there's a lot that goes into really complex, I would almost say loaded, mm. loaded, very emotionally charged topics that when you can step back and really approach them in a way that allows for people to like start to convey an idea versus, you know, a one-line response or, or just simple agreement with a yes or a no or some really simplistic answer you start to you start to see the complexity that goes into the question you're asking the season of is there such thing as a good man and i think that really starts to start to move us into uh where we're hoping to go with this episode today yeah i think so i mean <clears throat> one of the things that we discussed when we were talking about um actually having a public discussion you know with these because the, the, what we're doing right now is the exact same thing that we do off off the mic, right? But one of the things that we wanted to to kind of insist on was the whys behind things and not the what's. Um, and I think that so far, you know, that's been the – I think that hopefully we've been doing that. Hopefully we've been doing it somewhat, comp, you know, comprehensively. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think this will be a – this will be an interesting, interesting topic. Yeah, so episode six, so we're going to dive into the the educated man. And that right there is fascinating because it's not it's not as simple as it sounds. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I hope that we we start to go there and, and approach that and look at what what does educated mean? Right. And there was a quote by a former prime minister, and I believe this came out of uh, like mid 1900s like 1925 some somewhere in there and he said here is the educated man this is according to the former prime minister and he said the educated man is a man with certain subtle spiritual qualities which can make him calm in adversity happy when alone just in his dealings rational and sane in the fullest meaning of that word in all the affairs of his life it's a great quote yeah I think what's what's amazing when you look at that it's it's not one thing. No. And no. here we are a little less than 100 years later. And it seems that you and I at least I've noticed this in the last 10 to 15 years there was really this push that educated mean higher education. Right. It was one thing. 
Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to discuss this with you because we have such um, vastly different experiences when it comes to to education, both formally and informally. Right, and I think that's what that's an important part of the conversation is. I I think what that prime minister said right pays starts to to put some reverence or, or understanding when the word like educated is used because it's it's not it's not one thing it's not the idea of of a diploma it's not the idea that you read a lot of books it's not um a certification it's I would start to go there is it's a lot of those things mm-hmm. and as we kind of go here, I was just kind of thinking about the idea of, I think there's like two components in a pathway to education. And we talked previously about like getting qualified or, or getting yourself in a position to where you can move towards an aim or a, or a vocation or careers. Like you've got to have a pathway or a means to, to getting educated. And I kind of wanted to talk about four, four sub points that are pathway to education. And the first one is higher education. Um, you mentioned we have very different backgrounds in the role mm-hmm. of higher or formal education. Um, you know, disclosure, I went and got an undergraduate and went on to get a graduate degree. And what's fascinating is that teaches you to think, analyze, write, engage with things in a very certain manner, right? And education might disagree with that, but it is definitely sculpted and set up in a way to to have you think about and look at problems in a certain way. Right. And I've often talked to people about, you know, I've, I've got an MBA. And when, when going through that process, something that really stuck out to me in conversations I've had is I've talked to other entrepreneurs. And one was asking me about, should I get an MBA? And I was like, well, if you're going to run a small business, you don't need a degree. Mm-hmm. That is for you being a mid to upper level management in a, you know, a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. That that is so completely the different side of the coin. Right. Yeah, you're going to learn something, right? Sure. It's not that it's not useful. But I think when you when you look at that is, is it though, is it qualifying you or preparing you for the, for the means that that education is supposed to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in, you know, my experience is some college, um, but most of my um, experience in, in entrepreneurship has just been kind of boots on the ground type type stuff. And, you know, one of the things that I think when we're, when we're talking about, you know, education, it, it always gets framed in a organized sense, you know, whether that's higher education or, or um, you know, your, your experience in, in either public school or homeschool or private school. Um, and to me, I think the better way to frame it is education needs to be a like a lifelong goal. It needs to be a mindset, not something that you it's not a destination. It's a it's it's a journey, right? And one of the things I've always really appreciated about about you is um that, you know, as long as I've known you, there's always been this this continuation of like, well, what's the next thing to learn? Right. And for a period of time that was, you know, trying to accomplish um finishing your your MBA. But um after that, it's like you've never really like let up in in like continuing to learn, you know, and that's something that I really appreciate because that that I think um, reflects the the mindset that we're talking about is it's like 
it's not something that you do for a period of time and then like, oh, I'm all educated up. It's like that doesn't work that way. And I think it's really important for boys to understand that. And it doesn't have, I mean, I know that some people are not well suited for, um, you know, sitting in a classroom. Yeah. And I think we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about a couple of different options. Um, and to jump there, I think when you talk about education or growth, and I think in, in this conversation, it's, it's important to say that that's really something I think that, that the academic, right. The intellectuals we we've talked about kind of that as a, as a persona per se or something is watching the, the entrepreneur, right. Obviously some of the greatest minds, you know, the, the, the Zuckerbergs and the, and the, and the likes, they dropped out of college, mm -hmm. right. You know, they, there's something there. Um, it might not be for everyone. Right. Right. Would it be relatively useful? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it's the only way no. And I think when you look at the entrepreneurs, you learn that like when I look at you is you've had a continued sense of learning. That is, how is this thing going to be practical and plug back into what I'm doing? And it's, it's a way of like continued lifelong learning versus, well, I've, I've got my, you know, my, my two or four year mm -hmm. degree, whatever it is, undergrad, graduate, PhD, whatever. Now I'm done. And I, I, that's one thing I really, really look at small businesses and entrepreneurs is stuff changes so fast. And when you think about change, I think that one of my, my favorite architects, he, he made this, this statement, this, this book of quotes I picked up when I was uh, on a trip and he, he said this about education. I just thought it was so interesting. And he said, education, of course, is always based upon what was. Education shows you what has been and leaves you to make the dedication as to what may be. Education as we pursue it cannot prophesy and does not. Hmm. And I think that's that's something I noticed for first stint I was involved in. Uh, I was doing business consulting while I was working on my MBA at the same time. And something I noticed in incredibly interesting conversations and conversations where I would see industry and education meet together is industry was saying, hey, we need these people that can do X, Y, and Z. And education loves that because they can go, well, we can, we can construct a system. We can, we can build a means to hopefully create that. And I think it's that, that incredible part where, you know, the, the market is going, okay, we need you to make these things. But part of that is what you realize is as technology, software, stuff has rapidly changed in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years faster than ever before is education is finding it, you know, itself in a place where I think Frank Lloyd Wright is basically saying it's based upon what was. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it, look at yourself is you're having to learn a new system, a new software, a new technical skill so fast. Right. And if education's teaching that, it seems like that might not even been used in the marketplace by the time you graduate in four right. years. And it's, yeah, it's something very interesting. It'd be interesting to watch how education adapts because it's been around for hundreds of years. I, I think it's easy to, you make a prophetic statement, it's still going to be around. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I think that <clears throat> it seems like we maybe had this discussion before, but I, I agree. I don't think that, um, that higher education is going anywhere. The university is, is going anywhere. I think that it will need to reform. You know, I think that it is somewhat antiquated in the way that it, uh, approaches 
um, or the speed at which it approaches um, modern modern life, you know, because you're right. I mean, things change, you know, and it's like, especially if you're, if you're engaged in, in, you know, entrepreneurship, you're dealing with a really dynamic marketplace that changes really quickly. And so, you know, you can't necessarily be held to like, well, you know, I'll learn about that in the next, you know, hopefully the next three years, it's like, it's gotta, you know, it's gotta happen now. And so, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it will be around. Um, but I think it's probably going to need to, you know, adjust to the marketplace and be more, more nimble. Yeah. And I think one way I've really, I, I noticed it change and start to change was in like the community college, um, really started to, to shift to, to offering like two year trade school type Mm -hmm. certifications. Yeah. And they existed before, but it was, it was, it was, it was intriguing to watch a once system that, you know, pushed, Oh, you need to get, you know, an associates, you need to go on and get a traditional undergraduate degree shift very Mm -hmm. rapidly to go, well, right now the marketplace needs people skilled in trades. Mm -hmm. Whether that, I mean, I know multiple colleges that I interact with people that stood up HVAC programs or stood up programs that dealt with um, welding or programs that worked in CNC and machining. Mm -hmm. And it was this, the ability, I think when you have, you know, the ability to watch what the market needs, right? You look at reports about uh, people leaving the workforce or retiring in certain careers or or you look at wages available for certain um, employment opportunities mm-hmm. and you go, well, these these are opportunities that exist. And like we talked about in the, the last episode is there's probably a majority of people that don't have an interest in, in the academic pursuit, mm-hmm. but they might be so incredibly gifted in something they might find in like a trade school mm-hmm. yeah. or a more tactile skill set. And those jobs pay really, really well. Yeah. That's the other aspect of it that I think maybe goes um, kind of overlooked is that, you know, if you're if you're a person or, or a young man who um, is not particularly keen on the idea of sitting in, in classrooms for four years, um, there's some really cool opportunities for, for people where, you know, if, if you're looking at it and you're going like, well you know, I need to be making X amount of money. You can make that type of money in the trades now. And there's a big demand for, for skilled um, people in, in the trades. And it seems to be something that's kind of overlooked and and almost stigmatized. You know, it's almost like as if you don't have a four-year degree that, um, that that's some sort of, you know, indictment on, on your intellect ability. And going back to our previous episode, when we're talking about personality types, it doesn't have, I don't, I don't believe it has anything to do with intellect. It has to do with, with, um, with your, your, your personality. Some people are just not well suited for sitting, sitting in classrooms. Yeah. I can think of thinking on, you know, siblings and thinking on people I know. And it's, you, you see where people go. And, you know, sometimes when you're younger, high school, high school age or, or whatnot, you, you don't have the life experience yet. Right. You just, you just don't know. Like you'll, you'll barely make it to class on time, you know, and <laughs> wearing the latest, you know, cool brand of clothing is, is about the realm of, of the things, you know, and I'm sure it's a little more than that, of course, but then you get to this point where 
as you, you move further down the road in life with, you know, 10, 15 or so years of, of, you know, doing life, you start to realize that there's, there's one, there's, there's multiple pathways to what an education or educated means. Mm -hmm. And you look at how, how you can go about getting to trade school. I remember, um, engaging with people in different industries that, you know, ran electrical training centers, trained people to be electricians mm -hmm. from, you know, residential to doing high voltage to people in the uh, construction trades. Right. And, and seeing that even there, right, there's incredible opportunities. And like you're seeing, it's, it's not saying that someone's not smart or intellectual, like, you know, building something is very hard. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not no accident. You think back, you know, back to when the pyramids were built, mm -hmm. they didn't, you know, design that in, in an AutoCAD system <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they actually, I don't know, did the math by hand probably. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't allow a computer did it for them. Mm -hmm. That's what happens now. Everything's computerized and obviously that's fantastic and let's not go back. But I think when you look at these, these ways is it's basically what, I think what we're trying to look at here is, Education is not a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. I think what we're, we've tried to do so far is show that one, it's it's something you've you've got to continue to do in life is mm -hmm. is continue to grow, continue to learn, and you need to be inquisitive. And that probably goes to more of like an openness trait quality. Right. And I think another thing is this. I think will probably resonate with you a lot as someone who's an entrepreneur, and and we've kind of taken different paths, but it's mm -hmm. fascinating. We still find ourselves still at a table talking and mm -hmm. have so much in common because I think we have unique experiences. Right. I kind of look at this as like the, the learned skill or like the open source or, or kind of like the entrepreneur, like learn as you go. And yeah, like what have, what have you found out about like education or like learning through kind of that process? Um, well, I found that it's, uh, it's oftentimes somewhat messy, but uh, very rewarding and very doable. And I think one of the best examples of this is, is, um, you know, my business partner, uh, Brogan, I think he's a really great example of this because for a little bit of background, he and I, uh, own and operate a, a recording studio and, um, he operates, uh, as a sound engineer and he's had no, um, like institutional education in regards to, uh, being a sound engineer, but, you know, I may be somewhat biased, but I'd put him up against anybody here in the, in the Boise area, in the, in the treasure Valley. Um, I'd put him up against anybody with his, with his skills and, and, and be very confident that, um, uh, that he has a, a bigger tool, tool bag to, to draw from than, than most people who maybe have experienced, um, institutional education in regards to, to sound design and engineering. Um, and the reason for that is that I don't know one person in my life who has watched more hours of YouTube tutorials on individual, um, aspects of the recording process. I, I literally cannot think of anybody else who has spent more time like doing focused, um, like dedicated self-learning. Um, and the result of that is that he now has a skill set that he can bring to the marketplace and, and make a, a living off of because of something that he himself has pursued in a completely open source format. Just other people who know things, who are um, willing to share that and being uh, in a position to, to take advantage of that, 
that in and of itself is 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 huge, you know, yeah. and you can build an entire skill set off of that. Yeah, it sounds like an incredibly one just a very one self-aware, mm -hmm. very, 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 very willing to learn, right? Very obviously very you have to be very open, mm -hmm. very, very willing to honestly fail. Oh, which yeah. means you're very really open to succeed. Mm -hmm. And it seems like being able to leverage the available resources, the the opportunities that like I mentioned, you know, technology in in YouTube and the internet with open source education and certification and training ha has brought to the market. And as we said, that we're starting to see how those ripple effects are are rippling into higher education mm -hmm. and what they're having to do to respond. Right. And I think when you that's what I find so fascinating about like open source or someone who learns a skill by themselves and then becomes highly highly competent, which generally correlates massively into highly compensated, mm -hmm. is businesses are finding themselves going, oh, there's this new revolutionary software or platform or technology thing. Mm -hmm. There's nobody that has five years of experience. Right. We're having to start as an institution or as an organization, change the view of how we how we look at talent um, recruitment and, and then obviously maintaining and, and keeping talent, but really looking at at a point we have to stop focusing right well we need a sound engineer who's also got a four-year degree right yeah, good well, luck. what's more important the the person who's competent and could produce what you need or that degree mm -hmm. and those are what i think is really interesting is we're starting to see that the the idea around what does education of being qualified for a job what it used to mean and and how the you know the last 20 years of what tech has done mm -hmm. how it's really changed and revolutionized the one the workplace environment with with talent and also what it's done to the the theme of education because it seems like it's tied to it seems like it's getting more tied to competency mm -hmm. definitely in i think the small business slash less bureaucratic institutions. Yeah. We're really starting to see the the willingness to adapt quickly. Yeah. Well, and here's a question. This is something that just kind of popped into my mind. Do you think that um, that where we eventually got to with, um, with kind of reducing people down to a resume and a degree, do you think that that's just like an oversimplification of like, I, I don't have to do the extra work of finding out if somebody's actually competent because now we just have pieces of paper that say that they are. And it's like, sometimes that doesn't translate, you know, you can, you know, C's get degrees, like you, people can go through and, 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 you know, uh, get a certificate in something and not have any real world applicable experience of it. Um, and so I think you're right. It, it does seem like there's this push now to be like, uh, more, more interested in, in actual competency with something. Yeah, to kind of answer the question you asked, I, I definitely think that one, the the reason why the the love of the idea of the resume, the education is, yes, it makes screening for talent easy and it makes it systematic. Mm -hmm. And obviously it uh, prevents lawsuits from hitting companies for going, oh, you weren't fair and you weren't, you know, you weren't just in how you were screening talent. There was something perceptually discriminatory, right? I think... Part of it is reactionary slash preventative of that from that mm. approach. I think the other side is 
it can't be understated the importance of of networking that the idea of social capital mm-hmm. right you might know somebody who knows somebody who works there and i think that's the importance of of networking and really understanding as a part of education is like i was i was talking to a a, a good friend of mine who was going on he was also going to go be in an mba and i was like you need to figure out where you're going to go get an mba is that the market or is that the the location geographically where you want to therefore be employed mm. because generally colleges have made inroads and connections with employers mm. and they go hey we know people or they're graduates or people who are employed there came and got a degree now go still work at that organization so there's some of that networking already done it's like that's it's something you can't understate the importance it is it carries incredible amounts of value to right. have you know, if you just have a piece of paper and no contacts, well, you, you got a piece of paper. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of like my, my two cents on that is there's definitely, it can't be underestimated the importance of, of knowing people and networking and, you know, on that idea of, of education. I think that's something you really see with like the entrepreneurial mindset is that can, that really seems to be a, almost like really high as you always see business owners mm-hmm. talking and, and networking and like really trying to like, work on things and, right and, and that's that seems something that i've always found so fascinating to like to watch while i was doing consulting and, and working then that that uh, career field it was like getting to watch how that that dynamic that you you hear about in academics or the importance of it but to see it actually work is is another thing right yeah absolutely i think it's exactly right i think the last thing i just want to talk to you is i think there's two options you know you kind of have this idea of like public service that could be firefighter it could be a first responder law enforcement it could be going to the military um i think those are also other ways and i just i just find them interesting because they carry such unique like subcultures and within them some can be become highly competent and highly trained in a very specified skill, right? Mm-hmm. And that skill can translate to something very interesting in another career field, or you're going to learn things that don't directly correlate to your job title, mm-hmm. but the skills and experience and either programs you manage or, or things you interact with, the systems or processes you put in place, um, they directly correlate to something else. Mm-hmm. You're probably getting educated and trained for a, a job or position you don't even understand you're being qualified for because you haven't yet seen the opportunities that that could translate to. Yeah. And I think, you know, to touch on the, the idea of military or, or public service, like one of the things I think gets overlooked is that there is, um, there are like specific hard skills that you can learn, but then there's also more like generalized experiential skills that you can then a kind of apply to every like or to, you can apply to other things. And I think that's one of the things that comes with um, particularly like military service. You're learning all kinds of um, some somewhat um, intangible type things like um, consistency, dedication, um, you know, uh, order, organization, like you're learning all of leadership, you know, you're learning all these different things. You know, one person that I, that comes to mind is um, Jocko Willink, right? To take a career in the military and then trans translate those skill sets into um, uh, business. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the right word. Business. Um, He's in consulting. Consulting. Thank you. Um, you know, so 
to to be able to translate those those skills into something else in the marketplace that there's clearly a, a need for. Yeah, and I, I think what you see right in in I would say like transferable skills is is even in you know the, uh, you know public America right the you know the private sector even there you're getting a lot of transferable skill sets mm-hmm. that uh, you know a job title might say X but you perform so many other skill sets that are transferable transferable or very very similar to or like other skill sets that are found in other job titles and I think that's something I've had conversations with people around that is is often we can get too focused and this goes back to a question about like screening resumes or or that kind of process we had a little bit ago is understanding that education on learning skills can be accumulated in different ways and that that is something that you can access and look back on as you as you do other endeavors Mm -hmm. or you move on to different avenues and i i think that's part of what education is it's it's an accumulation of of different skill sets different abilities Mm -hmm. and then realizing you know there's different ways to apply those yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i want to move on to the kind of kind of a way to like look out what what does an educated or what does development mean there being a developed man because i think when we you know we think about the idea of what does it mean to be a good man or is there such thing as a good man it's it's good to have something to kind of like look at right like like we were talking about personality it's not a we're not prescribing or saying this has to be or these things but i think it's like here's some common qualities or traits that i think you can kind of like look at identify look for work on as an individual whatever it might be that i think would would give a clear aim or focus mm-hmm. and I think the first one is, and we've really talked about this with relationships and development is, is emotional intelligence. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's one of the things that, uh, that really kind of goes overlooked, but, but really applies to not just, um, your interpersonal, uh, work, uh, relationships at work, but all relationships that you have, whether that be with your parents or your siblings, or your significant others, or your kids or friendships, you know, developing emotional intelligence. It's not, it's not one of those things that, um, is only applicable in these, you know, specific areas. It's something that is applicable in all of your relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Like we talked about, you know, it's, if you want to have a good relationship with a person, right, whether it's a male-to-male friendship, we talked about that importance, or maybe it's, you know, in a relationship with a significant other romantic-based relationship, right, is the ability to to empathize, the ability to understand and communicate and listen to that person, right, and understand the emotional aspects of that and and how that really deepens and fosters things because it's it's so interconnected. And I think that's that's really, I hope, starting to come come alive or be more more evident as as we're really looking at the deeper question here is so much of this is interconnected and little parts connect to other parts and it, it makes it even more complex but it's it's starting to become like you know you look at personality and the ability to be open and how emotions and and how those things factor in or, or back to like how a career or how you build a relationship or the the norms that reinforce or say you shouldn't be this is how these things all start to interplay and really start to, I think, zoom out and show that there's, there's not simple answers No, is these, these become very complex things. And I think kind of moving on to the next thing, here's another thing that really came up was 
the ability to clearly articulate or communicate. Mm. That could be an idea, a thought, uh, it could be how you feeling, how you see something, an idea, a business idea. It's it's something that I was I was can't remember who said this, but basically saying read, 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 and read because it will help you in your ability to articulate. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the what it means is it gives you more of a knowledge base to draw on. And mm-hmm. that's like that continued learning. I think the other part, and this is what I think higher education does a good job of is making you write papers, mm-hmm. making you write out your ideas because when you have to write out or give speeches on things or, or if you're doing a podcast, you have to choose your words and your ideas and try to articulate them and communicate them to whoever the listener is. The way you're going to write a, you know, the way I wrote an, uh, a paper for a, a graduate level course is much different than the way I'm going to have a conversation with, you know, somebody, a, a small business employer mm-hmm. or the way I'm going to write a reply email to somebody asking right. something or the conversation we have. I think it's understanding that idea around communication. Mm-hmm. The idea of developing your, this kind of goes hand in hand with, with the idea of developing emotional intelligence is, you know, understanding um, what's going on around you and understanding um, being able to read and, 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 and communicate um, in an, your emotions or other people's emotions recognize them um, goes hand in hand with being able to communicate your ideas to people. <clears throat> and one of the things that I think often gets overlooked is that communication isn't something that is like a, well, maybe I'll develop it or, or, or like, yeah, that's, that's important, but you can kind of shrug it off. It's literally the the foundation of how it is that that human beings convey ideas. And the worse that communication is, the more um, opportunities there are for misunderstanding and for conflict. And so, if your goal is to be um, an effective communicator, what you're what you're trying to do is you're you're trying to eliminate um, misunderstanding. You're trying to eliminate um, uh, conflict. You know, and that. You know, it's like people talk about making the world a better place. If you can, if you can improve the communication of all people, and and improve the way that that ideas are are explained and 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 um, and conveyed to people, I think you would see a huge, huge increase in in peace and 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 a reduction in anxiety in most people because that's really the foundation of of the human experience is communicating and, and interacting with others, you know, and we've all met those people who communicate well and, and the way that we feel um, understood and seen and, um, and that, that our, that our ideas, that our, our concerns are important to them. Like we've all had that, that leader or boss or, or somebody who, who exemplifies those, those uh, qualities and it makes such a, it makes such a big difference. Yeah, and I think that uh, builds on the next one. And I'm, you know, it's it's interesting as I as we as we move through this kind of these this quality or trait list. There's parts of it that that you know remind me of that that personality trait we we're talking about in the previous episode is is this this idea to be able to solve a wide variety of puzzles and problems. And it it seems kind of like that you referenced that book called Range. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe the author's last name is Epstein. And it's this ability to 
to solve them or have a, have a depth of knowledge mm-hmm. of, of wide breadth or, or things you can draw on and, and be relatively useful or practical in, in situations, right? You know, we've, we've probably, probably learned from a, a grandpa or we've got, you know, somebody, some other, some other male role model in our life that we can think of that just kind of knew how to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how does this guy know how to do electrical and the next minute he can work on a car? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something you realize is one, it, probably a lot of it arises out of a need for practicality. And maybe that's an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial mindset mm-hmm. or a, a strong quality there is, you know, you have to be able to solve a wide variety of issues. And you kind of talked about like your different interests. And it's like, I think in those interests that you mentioned where you see these incredible breadth or, or how it almost they juxtapose where mm-hmm. you wouldn't think an artist would be interested in sports and because, or working on your car and being very interested in music where I think those sort of things really start to show that when you have an interest in something, you start to learn and you become useful. Right. And I think that leads to like solving things. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I when I think about my experiences with, um, with mechanics, you know, I, I kind of, uh, yeah, I always loved, cars but you know when you when you're a kid you love cars for um different reasons and some of those reasons are you know they kind of embody freedom and um and uh speed and excitement and 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 design and one of the things that that I learned when I when I got my first truck and my dad you know taught me a lot of uh a lot of this stuff you know I I did a lot of my own mechanical work um because you know we we grew up poor and when you grow up low income you don't have access to like oh i'm just going to take my vehicle into a mechanic it's like your vehicle doesn't run you have to stop and be like okay well i have to figure that out and so um you know i i learned how to rebuild engines and i learned how to to fix mechanical mechanical problems and one of the things that i i took away from that was a way of thinking that i think is really useful is knowing how to troubleshoot you know and i know that you've had your own experiences that that have developed that that particular way of thinking and skill set but you cannot underestimate how important that is you know that that way of thinking of okay well if this doesn't work and i know that it's related to these different systems there has to be something within those systems and like like reducing things down until you you come to a conclusion of like okay well it has to be x y or z you know and it's like I've noticed that that way of thinking has kind of worked its way into the way that I look at um, more um, intangible questions and problems. Like, you know, if we're talking about like philosophical or or, or religious ideas, um, you know, you can take those same principles and apply them and they work very well. It's like you have to eventually get down to, you know, um, arguing from like first principles. Yeah, that's a great segue. I think moving on to one of the other things here on this kind of list is the respect, the process of finding truth. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're talking about philosophy or ancient religious traditions or like first mover or first principles is there's a way in that which you have to engage and think that is is very different from a I would say it, it's almost counter norm to what we currently see. And there's been an incredibly resurgence, I think, back to this idea because it seems like, well, we've solved all these complex problems. 
that's what it seems like. And, and mm. we can write code or computer program to solve and do this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been interesting to see how there's been this revisiting or, or let's go back and start to look at problems that are so complex. It seems like, well, we can't solve them in a lab mm. because they seem not so much abstract, but they seem more of that intangible or something we can't, you know, we can't reduce down to an experiment. Mm-hmm. And, or we see the the outcomes or things those produce. And we can look at those, but then we start to go like, well, how did those get there? And mm-hmm. I think that that process of truth, I always say is, you know, don't go looking for something or asking a question if you aren't willing to accept the answer you get. Right. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And, um, you know, that's, I think that everybody, it's a really interesting thing to, to, to be committed to, to truth and to be pursuing truth. And it, and it kind of, I think winds up, people think of different things when they, when they think of that, but, um, you know, there are, there are clearly, ways to do things that are better than others. You know, there are clearly ideas that hold up over time better than others. There are, um, in my opinion, objectives, uh, like objective truths that, you know, maybe you can't articulate exactly why, but the pursuit of those things, um, gets you closer to doing that. And I think that that's really important and, and, and useful because, you know, it, it becomes very difficult to, I think there's a, there's a little bit of like cognitive dissonance when you say that you hold a value or you say that you believe in, in some sort of, um, idea or truth, but you can't articulate it, you know? And I think the pursuit of that, if you're, if you're pursuing an idea like that, the more that you're exposed to it and the more that you grapple and and wrestle with it, the better you're able to then rationalize your your position and your your argument for it yeah no i think that's 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 really insightful um and keep us keep us kind of moving along here i think uh you know another point is be able to live out respect and i would say self-awareness mm. and i would say you know like respect like the way in that which you you operate in the world or you operate with people like respect um and then the ability of self-awareness. And, and we've, I think, really, really hit on that when we talked about personal growth. And I think that's a that's probably even a better explanation is that episode on, on self-growth and mm. the importance of self-awareness. And I think of respect, it's, it's kind of this idea of, you know, the people you engage with, engage with those around you and the people you interact with the way that you would want to be interacted with. Mm-hmm. Because we like to be treated with respect, a certain dignity, a certain, in a certain way. And you treat people in, in that way that you want to be treated. Like you're saying, you know, like the world just might be a better place. Mm -hmm. Like it, you know, we might be, we might be less willing to, to slam dunk somebody or throw Mm -hmm. a, throw a haymaker in an argument because we don't like those getting thrown at us. Right. Well, and I think too, it, it reflects on, it's a reflection of, um, how you see yourself. You know what I mean? Like the, like the way that you go about treating people and the respect that you're, you're willing to give people, um, or that you, that you attempt to give people, um, is a reflection of how it is that you yourself, um, 
see the world. It, it says something about your character. And I think that that's, that's really important because th- oftentimes it's kind of like, um, well, did that person, you know, may- that maybe that person deserved it. And it's like, well, maybe, but what does it say about you if you're willing to let that go? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely a, an interesting observation because you have to kind of have some, some humility or some, you know, self-awareness to be able to be self-critical at a point to, mm-hmm. to kind of see that. Mm-hmm. And uh, lastly, I kind of think this point was interesting is I want to make is you have to have a sense of, or the ability to operate and navigate in a way that you accomplish things mm-hmm. in the world around you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's part of human nature that we look for things to contribute to. We look for things to um, either fix or or build or like that's the that's what we as humans do. And um, I think that that's a it's a worthwhile pursuit, you know, because much of that is much of that is is in, is the pursuit of of attempting to make um, your life and the lives of those around you better you know, and, and that can look like a bunch of different things. You know, you can look at, um, you know, uh, the Wright brothers, right? Like it might've been a a very, um, uh, personal goal for them to engage in, in, in figuring out how to make something fly. But you, but to see the way that that then plays out over, over the course of history, it's like, yeah, but then think about all the millions of people who hop on a plane and get from one destination to another in a safe manner. And, and the way that that has completely changed the way that the world works and the way that people are able to, you know, hop on a, I can, I can hop on a plane and fly and see you in three hours. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to think about the accumulation of skills, Mm -hmm. right? That you, you look at, we're going to do something mankind's never done. Mm-hmm. But you think about the other skills that factor in the, the things they had to draw on to accomplish, you know, first flight at Kitty Hawk and how that, how that, how that has changed. And I think that that really shows the, almost in an interesting way, what happens when there's a, like a noble aim, like mm-hmm. we talked about, you know, having, having a clear vision and What's fascinating is something like like the vision you know the Wright brothers had to for flight. I I I'm confident to say they didn't envision we would be loading up airplanes with hundreds of people, mm-hmm. and you know we would have a supersonic flight. You know we right. would move to things like the Concorde in less than a hundred years. Yeah, I mean sixty-ish years, I believe, somewhere around that time frame, and that we would we would so rapidly progress, and. I think that kind of looks at how when you when you when you line up life in a way that has some has some mean some some meaning and some order some you know the the elements we've talked about of 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 personal growth of applying application and learning to to where what I would say becomes knowledge right mm-hmm. I've always said this it it does you little good to have a room full of books a library and never read the books right yeah. and it also does you very little good to read the books and they never apply them. Right. And I think for me, that's kind of knowledge and to kind of, I think wrap up this episode about the educated man is I think it's taking the things you learn 
whether it be from higher education, it might be from a trade school, it might be a self-learner. I would say even the continued pursuit of self-learning, of continuing to read and continue to engage with people with different ideas and thoughts and perspectives and turning that information just from knowing into knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Com- completely agree. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great place to wrap this up. This has been the Imperfect Discourse podcast. Listen next time as we discuss male role models as we continue to discuss is there such thing as a good man? Mm-hmm.